And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many positions, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And when he looked around about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And uh, I want to uh, touch on the issue of blood first. And uh, if you don't care, turn to Leviticus chapter 15. And we're going to read uh, verse 2 through 15. <clears throat> Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when any man hath a running issue out of his flesh, because of his issue, he is unclean. And this shall be his unclean, uncleanness in his issue. Whether his flesh run with his issue or his flesh be stopped from his issue, it is his uncleanness. Every every bed whereon he lieth that, he, that hath the issue is unclean. And everything wherein he sitteth shall be unclean. And whosoever toucheth his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And he that sitteth on anything wherein he sat that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And he that toucheth the flesh of him that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And if he that, hurt, that hath the issue spit upon him that is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And what saddle soever he rideth upon that hath the issue shall be unclean. And whosoever toucheth anything that was under him shall be unclean until the even. And he that beareth any of those things shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And whomsoever touch, toucheth that hath the issue and hath not rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his, his clothes, bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening. And the vessel of earth that he toucheth, which hath the issue, shall be broken, and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. And when he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing, and wash his clothes, and bathe his flesh in running water, and shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take to him two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, and come before the Lord unto, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and give them unto the priest. And the priest shall offer them the one for a sin offering, and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord for his issue. And on this, I wanted to point out that 
this woman's had this issue for 12 years and anyone that's been near her has had to be, they've had to wash their hands, they've had to, to bathe every time they've been near this woman. She's been in isolation, no, you know, if you touch her, touch her bed, her chair, any of her clothes or even her, you have to, you have to wash afterwards. So she's very much isolated from, from everyone at the time right. uh, for 12 years. And, you know, we don't know anything of her history, but you know, it would be hard for a woman with this kind of condition to be a wife or a mother, you know, because right. if she was, they would have to basically stay away from her in isolation to make sure that they didn't have to wash everything. And, and every time she drinks out of a cup, she's going to have to break it afterwards. You know, it's, it's not even good for her to drink after afterwards. It's supposed to be broken. And uh, so this is just something to, to touch a little bit more on what this woman went through every day of her life for 12 years leading up to this day of coming to, to Jesus. And I want to touch now on the garment that uh, Jesus was wearing that she wanted to touch the hem of. And uh, that's in Numbers 15 and uh, verse 37 through 41. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of their borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a whoring, they that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So on this, we see that that his garment represents the law. The, the part that she's reaching for, she's going to touch the hem. She's going to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus that represents the, the punishment she's been under for the last 12 years. Mm. You know, she's been suffering these 12 years because of what was given in the law and that she's having to obey and she's having to reach for that. And I'll, I'll touch more on that later on in the message. But um, I want to touch a little bit more uh, speaking of what all she had to go through. She had to go through the, the masses the, the great multitude in order to even get to. And so I want to touch a little bit on that in uh, Matthew 14, 35 and 36. And then I want to touch a little bit in chapter 15. <clears throat> and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as were, as many touched were made perfectly whole. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. <clears throat> so the reason why I read into that a little bit further is because we see here that these people, this is after uh, she is, uh, she's already touched the hem of his garment earlier on in Matthew. Um, 
So she does that. And so these people now have heard this and they start coming to Jesus to touch the hem of his garment. Now, what's not talked about here is these Pharisees are coming at the same time that these people are all being miraculously healed uh, with Jesus. And they're not worried about these unclean people being right. there touching Jesus's garment that would you know, all be in a mass. They would all be unclean and under the law that would make Jesus unclean. If, they, if they're if they're believing that he's uh, able to heal these people, then, then they would have to, they would have a little bit bigger issue. I think what that is that's here is they don't think that they're actually unclean. They're they're looking over the miracles of Jesus, and they're missing the the godliness of Jesus. Right, and they're more worried about the disciples washing their hands to eat bread than the cleanliness laws that were given uh, on the for the unclean people, and. The reason I brought that up is because we see also uh, in Matthew 23, verses 1 through 6, it says, then, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they, shot, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do, for to be seen of men, that they make broad their philosophies and enlarge the borders of their garments. So what we see here is they're more worried about the outward appearance and following the laws that they, they want to do. So they're wanting, they're worried about, and then and, and six it says, and love the uppermost rooms at the east, and the chief seats in the synagogues. <clears throat> so they're wanting to, to brag and show how broad their borders are of their garments, and and show how much they observe the law, which the borders represent. And uh, they're worried more about the feast. So they're that's why they point out to the disciples that they're not washing their hands because before they eat bread, because they're more concerned with feasts and tradition and keeping the law that. Of man, not necessarily the law of God, and uh, and it's very much like going back to, to Judas, for example. You know, he got to witness all the same miracles. A lot of these Pharisees were there while Jesus was performing his miracles, and they overlooked that they they didn't they refused to believe, and uh, because of that they missed the greatest feast there is. They missed the bread of Jesus, and then John. Chapter six thirty-five, and Jesus said unto them, "I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst." So they're more worried about eating for feasts and washing their hands for bread on earth, and Jesus the whole time was offering them a bread greater, and and they were too. Too caught up in their own traditions and laws to be able to look past that. And the reason why I'm bringing up the Pharisees is because they're part of the great multitude many times throughout all the scripture. And so I want to make sure that we understand that the great multitude were there not necessarily to, to see Jesus as far as the Son of God. They're coming there because Jesus of his time, for lack of a better term, was a celebrity. <laughs> many people wanted to flock to Jesus, but they didn't want to have Jesus in their heart. They didn't want to have the real Jesus. They wanted to have to be able to go home and tell their friends, I met this guy. Yeah, I met this celebrity that everyone's talking about. 
You know, I've seen a few people, but they weren't really worried about themselves as far as eternity goes. They were more worried about the moment and what they could tell people. And so we see that a lot nowadays as well with uh, the churches as well. We have a lot of mega churches where people flock to these mega churches and they want to, you know, show everyone, look how godly I am. I'm going to church. I'm doing these things and they're flocking to Jesus, but Jesus is never in their heart. And that's more important than what little bit of time you're there worshiping because you're not really worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself and pride. Good teaching. I want to go now to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and 6, verse 6. <clears throat> but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we always see these Pharisees and the great multitude are seeking him. But that shows there that God isn't in them. You know, they're seeking after this, after Jesus, you know, who they see as, you know, possible Messiah or just a celebrity. But they're not actually seeking God with their heart. They don't have God in them. And so they're seeking in vain. And uh, and going back to Mark, we see, we see that uh, all these people in the multitude are touching him. But we never see anything written in scripture. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen, but we don't see anything in scripture saying that any of these people received any other kind of miracles. So this great multitude there are hindering her from being able to come to him. You know, we're dealing with a woman that's been bleeding for 12 years. You know, she's got a lot of weakness in her body. You know, most likely she's anemic. She's probably probably you get chest pains. There's a lot of different symptoms of it. And uh frail, pale. She's having to cover herself, trying to push through a whole crowd to get to him. And we see this with the great multitude time and time again. We see it with Zacchaeus, and we see it with the man sick of the palsy that they have to carry. And it's always the great multitude that everyone's having to push through to get. And we see that a lot today. There's a lot of great multitude that are there that people get caught up in, that people you know might be hindered by this great multitude still to this day. But there's one thing is that Jesus always makes a way. And those who diligently seek him have always found him. We see that in scripture. That even those who, like the man sick of the palsy, couldn't even fall. He had to be carried there. And they've still found a way to lower him down to Jesus. And uh, I'm going to go to uh, Matthew 7 next. And verse 7. It says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receive. And he that sit, seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So we see here that that this woman, she's been suffering, but she is diligently seeking him. She's she's going out of her way, even though even though she's you know, probably it's, it's probably very hard on her, probably a very difficult task. She spent all of her money. She's desperate. She spent all of her money on physicians, and now she's trying to just seek him out just for 
the, you know, for her faith that she has in Jesus, you know, that she's willing to risk it, risk breaking the law. Every person that she's touching on the way there, she's breaking the law to just try to get to him. And uh, I want to go now to uh, the cross reference in Luke 8, 43 through uh, 48. And this is the same story, but told through Luke. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and sayest thou, Touch me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, and I, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when he and when the woman saw she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, and and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. So she's been bleeding for twelve years. She's got all these different illnesses, you know, dizzy as well, and she's condemned by the law to be alone. But she, but she believed and trusted the promise that was given of the Messiah, and we see it in Isaiah fifty-three eleven. It says, "He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteousness." Shall my righteous servant justify man, for he shall bear their iniquities. So she's trusting on this promise that he's going to bear her iniquities, that he's going to lift her suffering. And so she's so she's looking towards this as him as the Messiah. She's not looking at him as just some great healer that she's heard about from people or as a celebrity. She's looking at him as the promise. And she's willing to risk breaking the law as far as the biblical laws that that we read about earlier in Leviticus in order to to touch this Messiah who she's hurt. And and we see that she's pushed through this great multitude to get there. She didn't come like a lot of these people with pride. She came hidden. And we see that she's hidden here. You know, whenever Jesus asked to touch me, he's getting touched by everyone. Everyone that's around him are all touching him and they all denied it. None of them would say, no, I was the one that did it. Or, are you talking about me? None of them. They all said it wasn't us who touched you. And she hid in fear because she didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, even though she knew Jesus, she, she trusted him. You know, the Messiah is also, as far as the Jewish people knew, was going to come at the same time as uh, uh, seeking wrath on those who weren't part uh, weren't part of the Jewish people at the time. As far as her understanding, was, she wasn't sure what, what part of the Messiah's mission he was on at the time. So she hid scared nervous because she felt that virtue in her body and uh she came trembling and falling down before him and she declared everything unto him and we see this a lot in uh our christian life and uh i want to be uh, careful to, to say that i don't think that she had the spirit at this time as far as what we have now i do think that uh this is a great symbolization of what happens when we come to christ you know we we reach out to christ you know he turns and comes to us and from there, you know, we cry out and repent of our sins. 
You'll see your phone actually declaring everything that happened before all the people that were there. And I think, you know, whenever we get the Holy Spirit, we just we just have the, the moment where we just break down and confess everything to God and ask him to forgive us. And that, that to me seems like that's what she was doing. And, uh, you know, and we, and, uh, in Galatians 3, 24 and 25, we see, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because She's, she's meant to suffer all this punishment under the law, and the law has worked as a schoolmaster to her. She's, right. she's understood the promise of Isaiah, which was written in the Old Testament under the law. She understands that she's suffering under these things, and she's coming to the person who's there to fulfill the law. So she knows that there's going to be fulfillment. There's going to be someone who can take her burdens away. And so she's reaching out to him to have this law touching the very carbon fabric that represents the law that she's been suffering under. And she knows that if she does that, she'll finally have peace. And we see that in, uh, see that in, in this uh, account of Luke, where he's talking about that she's coming to him and reaching out, touching him. And what I talked about earlier with the, with the uh, fabric. Now I want to touch a little bit on the book of, James, uh, specifically, you don't have to turn there, it's just a, it's chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. And I want to point that out, because all these people were close to Christ, as far as physically goes. They were there, you know, they were in the, you know, the church of the time, you know, they were they're in the masses with Jesus, you know, just like you see people nowadays. They're there performing the act, but in their heart is far from them. They've not drawn nigh in their heart to Christ. And we see her come all the way to Christ, even to the point that she actually physically touched it. Now, that wasn't just a physical touch as far as, like, we see there's also one through her heart of desperation. You know, whenever we as Christians come to Christ, we come in a desperate state. The law's our schoolmaster. We get condemned by the law and realize how how lost we are and coming to christ it all gets revealed to us in a moment fast, very fast all before us we cry out and very much like this is a symbolization of this we cry out we get you know, she got his virtue a little bit of his, just a drop of his virtue and, and i couldn't imagine what that was like you know I, I remember the day that i got the holy spirit and it was i felt all over my body it was it was amazing to feel feel that I could imagine to actually touch the hem of his garment after all she went through, all the all the pain that she's gone through and suffered through for the last twelve years. What kind of relief that would be to just touch the garment in that moment for everything to be gone, and ha and also on top of all that healing to have a, just a drop of his virtue put into you. Like uh, to me, that's it's amazing. Right. And uh, another part here is. Uh, I've been talking about is, you know, we're always supposed to reach out to God and he's, he promises that he'll come to us. We draw an eye to God, he'll draw an eye to us. Now we see that whenever he, uh, right, whenever she's, uh, let's look at the exact part. 
she came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and, and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and says that who touched me. And Jesus said, Somebody had touched me, for I perceived that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, and we see there that she that she touched him, and the whole time Jesus knew exactly where she was. She's seen that she was not hit. All these people are denying, but she knew that he knew where she was. And she came trembling and falling down before him. Now, the reason why that's important is because he was there facing her. He knew exactly. So, so as soon as she turned around and touched him, or as soon as she touched him, he turned around to face her. She drew nigh unto him. He drew nigh unto her. And, and in that, after he says, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And we see that as a representation as well of what happened in the Old Testament. Those who were saved were saved by faith. She's coming under the law, under punishment of law. But he says, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And I want to I want to talk a little bit more about about uh, her desire to be healed by physicians, just a little bit more. Um, she was going for an issue she had for twelve years, seeking this help from physicians. And so many people today, whether that be people who are saved, who or people who aren't, who maybe have had the word, or maybe people who are just completely lost. There's so many people out there that are seeking, you know, their version of a physician. Like she's there for a physical reason to get a physical healing from these physicians. But so many people are trying to get a spiritual uh, healing through people, whether that be psychiatrists or whether it be, you know, the friend down the street that you want to talk to. And, you know, all, all you have to do is see Jesus. She went through all this trouble, spent every penny she had and got to her very last moment. As far as money went, for her very most desperate moment, and she reached out then to Jesus. So she, she tracked him down, went through all that to get him. You know, we see this story, and we don't have to do that. We don't have to wait anymore to the very last second. You know, if we're going through something, all we have to do is seek him, and he will turn around, and he will be there for us. You know, we draw an eye to him, he will draw, draw an eye to us. And, you know, if you cast your burdens on him, He'll, he'll be there for you to give you a peace like you've never had. You know, this woman suffered for 12 years. Imagine the instant peace she had. Now, we see that she had some fear as well. But imagine for that split second the, the, the peace that she had. And the peace that she had from then on after, after Jesus told her to go in peace. You know, the, that peace that she had is, is what you can have. You know, you can have a peace even greater now that we have the Holy Spirit. You can have a peace even greater than she had. And, and then we have eternity as well with him. And, and it's just good to, to understand that the more you rely on man, the more you'll fall back. The, the worse things get, more, the more you seek for uh, a physical or a spiritual salvation through man, the more you're going to you're gonna fall. Because the more, the more you seek Jesus, the more peace you'll have, the less stress you'll have, the, the better your life, your life will become. And I want to close just talking about uh, all the different things that you could, that can benefit if you just seek Jesus. You know, if you, if you have a long spiritual illness, whether that be for, you know, a, a, a continual sin that you might have if you're saved and, and you've not been able to get it, you know, gone, you know, there's always Jesus. The more you seek him, the more those things will go away. 
the more you repent of them and seek Jesus, you know, with all your heart. And not just like how the masses did, where they just suck him out for their own prideful reasons. You know, you need to seek him for him, for the love of Christ, to have him truly inside of your heart. And uh, if you always try to look to man to fix it, it's always going to break. You know, he's the great carpenter. He he will fix it. He's the mighty physician. Uh, he will make a way through the crowd. As I talked about earlier, the great multitude, is, we see it multiple times hindering people. But he always made a way for these people in their most desperate hour to be able to get to him and be able to receive the blessing that he had for them. Now, the blessing might not be what, I mean, in the Bible, we see that these in these specific instances, they were always what they needed. But that might not be always the case nowadays. You know, we might not get exactly the blessing we're looking for, but it's the exact blessing he wants for us that's in his design. And and that's one thing too you have to understand the peace that the peace that you get through Jesus, everything might not be the exact way you want, but it's the best way for the true peace that you're going to get because you're going to be seeking God. And if you're seeking God, there's no greater, there's no greater gift. You're not going to have to worry about money or anything like that because Seeking Jesus puts all that to shame. You don't you don't need as much. We see uh, later on in the Bible that uh, I think it's a uh, Peter is one of the people that's talking. It says silver and gold have I none. You know, so these people are going out preaching God, and they have nothing to their name. They're going out preaching every day, and they don't have you know wealth, but they're but they're able to still be happy and rejoice in God even to their death. Amen. And uh. And you'll find eternal life if you seek God. Like, so she gets a she gets a, a physical healing, but we, we can get to the spiritual healing that will give us eternity with Christ. And one day, uh, if we see Christ diligent enough, we can we can even touch the hem of His garment, as far as and, and feel exactly what she felt, and then some. Whenever we have the Holy Spirit in us, you know we we have the Holy Spirit dwelled in us inside of us, so we get a feel we get a feel what she felt, and then some because we have the Holy Spirit living.